We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 42, and we're doing the second part. These used to be two different um, revelations, and they put them together. And so we're doing the second part, and we're starting in verse 74. And it says, Behold, verily I say unto you, that whatsoever person among you, having put away their companion for the cause of fornication, or in other words, if they shall testify before you in all lowliness of heart that this is the case, ye shall not cast them out from among you. And it goes on through several verses, jump to 77. If they are not married, they shall repent of all their sins, or ye shall not receive them. And again, every person, 78, who belongeth to this church of Christ, shall observe to keep all the commandments and covenants of the church. And so these verses really go with adultery and um, divorce. And it's interesting because we really do not know the causes that people, and it, it reminded me of our very last conference when they talked about that we now have 50% of the church that is single because of not getting married or divorces or other things. And that's so different than it was for them and so different than it was for me when I got married. And this, I remember at one point, um, a neighbor was, we would walk and she would tell me about things that were happening in their home. And I didn't know what to do. I was just young, young in my 20s. And, and she was confiding some very serious things to me. And I just really didn't know what to do. And at one point, um, one night I was feeding one of the kids. I was up in the middle of the night with one of the babies. And the spirit said so clearly to me, Divorce is never the best option, ever. If there is any way to fix a marriage, that is the best option. The Lord so honors that. And that has really stood with me, stuck with me. And they went through some hard things and they did work it out and and, um, went to counseling. And I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm saying we don't get to be the judge. Luckily, this was for leaders of the church who are the judges and try their best to have God's inspiration and guidance and counsel. But that, in that case, it was just such, I'm sure the Lord wanted me to not act like the judge and wanted me to support her in staying in the marriage. And I just, that came to mind, just the thought of, we just never know. And I don't want to know. (laughs) Um, We're not, I'm not called to be the judge. Bishops are, stake presidents are, to counsel, and they are guided. And that was such a good thing to have called back to mind to really testify to me. We are here. God is a God of eternal marriages, and he blesses our commitment to stay and to work. He knows we're fallible people. He brings two people with weaknesses and a bag of problems to a marriage, and he he tries to be part of that marriage if we covenant with him and help us work to learn and to grow and to become better together. Um, but God comes first in a marriage, and I can... Remember, and I've said this before, when I got engaged to Mitch, I was terrified. And the Lord gave me several, several witnesses. But I would pray again and again, tell me again. And finally, I had the distinct impression, I will not tell you again, Martin Harris. And I knew I had to walk forward in faith. And I knew 
what a no sounded like. And so I just started praying, I'm going to continue forward until you tell me no. And then I would say, you better tell me no, if this isn't a good idea. (laughs) And even kneeling across the altar, I was so emotional going, I'm going to say yes, unless you tell me no. It was terrifying to me. And divorce rates were nothing like they are now. And um, I just, I guess I just wanted a guarantee, a written guarantee that nothing would ever hurt me or harm me, which is so silly. God doesn't give that. But I will never forget two years after we were married, being in the temple and the spirit saying to me at a certain point when the men covenant different than the women covenant, look over there. Do you see your husband? And I did. And he said, that is your guarantee. He was covenanting with the Lord. That is your guarantee. As long as you are here covenanting with me, if you are striving to be right with me, you won't ever have to worry what he's doing. If he is striving to be right with me, you won't, he won't ever have to worry what you're doing. The guarantee is putting God first. And so often when we get into marriage, we think I'm going to put my spouse needs first. That's wrong. If you put God first, then guess what? Your spouse's needs will come because we will love God and we will serve him and we will honor our covenants and we will repent of our mistakes and we will strive to be better. That's the guarantee. But when we put another spouse first and we're worried about them at the sacrifice of our relationship with God, that's not right. So God has to come first. And luckily, I think that was such a neat experience for me that he told me that because I have since had many friends. I've since had family members who have confided things. And it's always in the back of my mind. If there is a way to work it out, marriage is the most important thing. And I remember my dad, who was an attorney, saying the best or the worst marriage is better than the best divorce and just saying it never it never is pretty and if people could see what he saw they would work so hard to work out a marriage and I do think so often Satan whispers in our ear the grass is greener and that's just part of marriage and learning to put the blinders on after we're married and not to be blind to abuse or things like that that's why I say we can't be the judge but to be blind to the infallibilities and to recognize we bring faults to the table too, but to work to pair with God and to put him first in our life, that's the guarantee. And so I, I love these verses because I think it is so important that he counsels, you know, that, that that's not a little thing. Marriage is huge to God. And that's why in the very highest kingdom, we are sealed because it's such a selfless thing to learn to put a spouse and to work with them and to align your life with God and to put your children before you. That's such an imperative thing. And and I realize some people don't have that opportunity and that blessing and that gift, but it is a blessing and it is a gift. And so I really love this counsel. Um, 78, again, every person, I'm saying this again, belongeth to this church of Christ shall observe to keep all the commandments and covenants of the church. And really the church is a marriage with God and it's the same thing aligning ourselves and striving every day to repent and and keep our commitments and our covenants with God. So I love that. Okay, it goes on. 79, it talks about murder. We turn it over to the laws of the land. 80, it talks about um, 
And if any man, again, adultery, then bring witnesses to the church. Um, this just reminded me of church courts. And I had a really awesome experience once in an institute class um, up in Washington. So just a couple years ago, and the institute teacher for these adults set up a whole church court, mock church court, and showed us what that looked like. And it may have been this section that he was teaching us because it was the Doctrine and Covenants. But the major point of it, and I was so, I thought, this is so interesting because I had just taught it to my students and thought, this is interesting. He's centering it on this. But the major point at the end was is as these 12 high councilmen that he set up there in this stake president who had been released released, taught us and testified of the love that they had felt in church courts and the amazing care and the amazing revelation and the amazing inspiration. And um, it was the most touching thing. And I left just overwhelmed at God's goodness that even in a church court, how seriously they take it, but that if someone is excommunicated, it really is by inspiration as a gift to them that they will not be accountable. And I just was so touched as they told about people coming back and just sobbing and and losing the gift of the Holy Ghost and how hard that was, how much we take that for granted. And so I really love all of these as it talks about murder, turn it over to the law, the um, stealing and and I laughed in 86 when it said, if he or she shall lie, he or she shall be delivered up to the law of the land. Man, don't you miss the days when lying? You could be judged of lying. Honesty is a huge, huge thing to God. And it is something I can remember um, from an early age, really wanting people to know when I said something that it was honest. And I think that came from um, I had stolen some suckers. And I've told that story before, but it meant everything to my mom to me my mom would always say how much is your honesty worth and so that became a really huge thing to me it's so important to me that people know when I say something it is truth and even lately the last few years I have felt the Lord as I have taught seminary really chastise me softly as I have exaggerated details and stories that I have shared embellished a little that is dishonest and he has really been trying to help me be a truth speaker and to not embellish or exaggerate so I love that um in let's see jump down to 88 this was the other huge thing in this section and if thy brother or sister offend thee thou shalt take him or her between thee alone and if he or she will confess thou shalt be reconciled and this just really took me back to section 28 verse 11 when Hiram when it's concerning Hiram Page and that he gets this revelation and Oliver Cowdery has totally ch chastised um, Joseph Smith and he is told to take Hiram Page between him and thee alone and tell him that it is not of God, that the revelation did not come from God. This is a big thing to God. And I love that he doesn't do, do it openly. I love that um, he does it so kindly and so privately. And first of all, by the Holy Ghost chastening us and saying, Aaron, quit exaggerating. It's, it is such a beautiful thing that he does. And not before the world in verse 89. And I thought of that Levi Savage scene 
um, of the pioneers coming, 17 miracles, and how he's called out for being a doubter and not trusting and having lost his testimony. And I will never forget his humility saying, and if you die, I will die with you. And he apologizes. And it turns out he is 100% correct, but he is chastened publicly. And I just think um, there's something to this that we it's a protection to us to do it privately, but it's also to spare that we put other people's feelings before our own. Brigham Young, when Joseph Smith did it, cried and said, what would you have me do? Or he didn't cry. He turned and said, what would you have me do, Brother Joseph? And Joseph wept. He was so impressed, the humility. And so I do think um, God is a God of gentleness and kindness. But when it is done not kindly, Pohoran and Moroni, there are many accounts um, that I've now mentioned, we be humble enough to be chastened and submissive and really try to align our life with God. And humility is a big part of that. Um, but I think it's really good for us to learn. We don't call people out publicly. And in a day of social media, that's, gosh, that's so important. I have really shut down my um, social media because I just don't make the greatest decisions spur of the moment. And so um, it was changing how I felt during this very contentious time as people expressed opinions. And I just found it was better for me to shut it off and not know I'm a lot kinder person. <laughs> so I think this is really great counsel for all of us. Um, I love 92. If any shall offend in secret, he or she shall be rebuked in secret. That he or she may have the opportunity to confess in secret to him or whom, whom she has offended and to God, that the church may not speak reproachfully of them. And I just, that so touched me. I have been called out many times. One of the most painful was I heard from a friend that my name had been brought up in a ward council and um, something said about me not being trustworthy and, and, um, she said, I just felt like I should pass that on. And I immediately got off the phone. The spirit just said, don't, don't engage in this. Don't just stop. And so I got off the phone. I said, I've got to go. Thank you for telling me. And I knelt down and I just wept and I just cried and said, Heavenly Father, that is not all wrong. I am sure there have been times I have said things that I shouldn't have said. I'm sure there are times I've said things that have hurt people. I don't know what this is concerning and I am devastated. I was in the primary presidency and I didn't want anyone to feel I was saying things that I shouldn't. Um, that Mitch, who was in a calling of um, where he could have passed things on, I didn't want people not trusting him. And so I knelt down and prayed and very sincerely asked God. And he brought to mind exactly what had happened and I was able to call and apologize it had been very un unintentional and not at all um something that I intended to hurt and really didn't think that it had hurt but it had hurt someone and I was able to call and apologize and that person came and forgave me and I was so grateful and so I love this, that truly when we are offended or hurt, it's like I would teach my kids when they were little, what does it hurt to say I'm sorry? It costs you nothing. So to really intentionally pair with God 
and be the type of person that can apologize humbly. I think that's such a great thing to work on because so often I have not done that, especially when it's people close to me. It's even harder when it's a spouse or children to keep your head and not fire back, but to really coolly think and pray. I love in Nephi where Nephi's brothers are arguing and it says he goes off. He's just had the the vision. He's prayed to have the vision like his father did and he goes off and he naps, takes a nap, takes a rest, it says, and he comes back and talks to them. And I have that underlined. That came so clearly to me from the spirit. Aaron, sometimes you just need to take a rest and get your thoughts and your emotions under control. So I'm grateful for this council. I'm grateful for this council to this new growing church who has so many different personalities, so many different feelings that they're coming from different backgrounds, but all of them all of them want God to prevail in their life. And that is a beautiful thing. So if we can move forward in life, really searching for those who want God to prevail in their life and trusting that most do and giving them the benefit of the doubt. I love these verses. I love this counsel. I hope you know the truth is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.